This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hey, good Saturday morning to you. Welcome into Kansas Talk right here on Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM KQAM. It's a Saturday morning. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. It is warm. It is hot. It is ridiculous. Thanks, global warming. You officially hit here. (laughs) Yeah, welcome into the show. It's going to be a fun one today. It's a Saturday. I'm Andy Hoosier on KQAM. You can find us on uh, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, also kqamradio.com, and our social stream. We do have the live video stream going right now at facebook.com slash 1480kqam. Big show lined up for you today, as usual, here on Kansas Talk. We try to get as many guests across the state of Kansas as we possibly can, talking about the political issues, which, of course, are you tired of hearing about it yet? You sick and tired of hearing about COVID? The COVID pandemic, well, yes, we will spend some time this first half hour as well, especially uh, with the COVID pandemic as we have the new mask mandate coming into place starting on Monday uh, due to Governor Laura Kelly. That's kind of interesting, so we'll get to that and more. Coming up, bottom of the hour, Derek Schmidt, Kansas Attorney General. We do a monthly segment with him talking about some of the legality issues here in the state of Kansas. We did talk to him about the potential legalities of the mask mandate, of mandated vaccines, if we ever get to that point in the state, what businesses, what kind of rights they have or lack thereof with individuals uh, with business that may try to mandate the vaccine or masks for their employees as well. Not to mention, we have, if you remember all the way back when, the the KCC, the Kansas Corporation Commission, that's investigating the high utility rates from February with that extreme cold. I would take that extreme cold over this 100-degree weather right now. Who's with me? Show of hands. Anybody want the negative 20-degree weather compared to the 100-degree weather? This guy. This guy. Welcome into the show. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, first half hours open uh, open lines to you on anything that you want to chat about. Here's my question of the day. Are you ready? Are you willing? And are you prepared to finally not abide by the mask mandates that's about to come down? Now, right now, uh, she's putting it in place for state employees and for visitors of the Capitol and that sort of thing. But if you are one of said individuals that falls under that category, are you willing, are you ready, and are you prepared to start saying no? What do they say? Uh, Remember the D.A.R.E. program back in school when the the cops would come into the school and be like, don't do drugs, kids, and here's the little thing. I'll never forget they they had the little, like, ketchup bottle they cut the hole into, put some cotton balls in it, put a cigarette in it, and did, like, three, uh, three cigarettes and then showed all the... Uh, all the tar that was on the cotton ball. And at the end of it, they're like, don't do drugs. Just say no. Just say no. That's our new motto now for the mask mandates, for the vaccine mandates. Now get your vaccine if you want to by your choice, but because the government's telling you to do so, it's time for us to just say no. And yes, that is, I guess, in a way of civil disobedience. But here's the thing. We just saw Republicans in the Capitol up in Washington, D.C. the last couple of days end up doing a quote-unquote staged protest by walking through the Capitol. Get this. I know. It's a very controversial thing. It's very radical. It's very on the edge. They walked through the entire Capitol building without masks. I, I know. So that's a wild thing. Uh, Republicans walking in mass and this big herd of Republican people, legislative elected officials, walking through the Capitol with no masks. And that's right after Nancy Pelosi had put in place that the it was mandated for uh, for congressional aides and for visitors of the Capitol in Washington, D.C. to wear masks. 
So it wasn't necessarily geared towards the Republican elected officials, but it was geared toward all of their staffers. So the Republicans took to marching through the Capitol building in spite of Nancy Pelosi without masks. Rebels. Rebels, I tell you. Those evil, evil rebels that are just walking around not caring about human beings, wanting people to die in the streets. Is that the point that we've come to? I'm telling you, this is come, This is going to come to a head at one point, nationally and here in the state of Kansas. It's all going to come to a full circle and come to a head. We're going to have to face the confrontation and the division that we've created in this nation and here in the state of Kansas. We're going to have to face it. Now, the facts are going to have to be out there, and the facts are right now is that I laugh after everybody's like, well, if you get the vaccine, then you don't have to wear the mask. And you evil, un, un, unvaccinated individuals, you dirty, filthy, you know, outliers of society, you're the ones that are not going to be able to function properly in society. And yet, now the vaccinated people have to wear masks as well. I find that humorous. I'm sorry. I find it comical. Now, we knew this was going to happen because, again, the vaccine If you don't understand how vaccines work, when you get a vaccine, it's supposed to boost your immunity to understand how to handle a virus by putting a strain of the virus or something similar in it. So that way your immune system can recognize it. It can build antibodies and it fights it off. So the goal is when you're exposed to it, you don't have any symptoms. It's still in your system, but it helps try and kill it off quicker or at least you don't have as severe symptoms. Meaning that it's still in your system, which means if the mindset of you can still transmit the virus if you are asymptomatic means you could still do that as a vaccinated individual and that means that you could still get it you would just have minor symptoms or hopefully less severe symptoms because you have an immune system that can fight it off easier doesn't mean that you still can't get it doesn't mean that you still can't transmit it doesn't mean that it's still not going to affect you in some way shape or form we've been saying this for months for a year however we get criticized as being nut jobs and having a lack of understanding how vaccines work All of a sudden, CDC comes out and says, hey, we're going to require masks for uh, vaccinated individuals because you're still transmitting it. There's a story out of Massachusetts we read yesterday on the program that 74% of all COVID outbreaks in the state of Massachusetts right now are from fully vaccinated individuals. Here in the state of Kansas, we have outbreaks going on at nursing homes with fully vaccinated individuals. So we know the vaccine isn't working the way they want it to. Oh, well, it's because of the variants. Okay. What causes variants? Vaccines. And they just admitted that yesterday as well. I know this is kind of a national thing, but it's still happening here in Kansas because this is leading up to the mask mandate Governor Laura Kelly just put in place. So bear with me. I'm setting the stage for this for a second. But they just admitted that the vaccines cause the variants, which, again, we knew that it's common sense. Anybody that understands vaccines in any way, shape, or form knows that how a virus stays even Uh, functional or survives at all means that it mutates and adapts based on the vaccines that we have to try and kill it off. They call us crazy for calling that out too. Headline from CNN yesterday. I don't even CNN admitting this and they're using it for their agenda, which is why they finally had to come out and release this vaccination alone won't stop the rise of virus because they're actually advocating for the masks for vaccinated people. Vaccination alone won't stop the rise of variants and in fact could push the evolution of strains that evade their protection. According to researchers, they say people need to wear masks to take preventative steps until almost everyone is vaccinated. So let me get this straight. The vaccine that's causing variants, because that's what it does in a biological world, a vaccine that causes variants of strains of viruses is what's causing the strain, 
and causing the, the, the mutations. So what we need to do is we need to get vaccinated with the vaccine that causes the variants. Then we're a mess to live in a bubble to where we could never be exposed to them because we're scared of the biological world. Makes total sense, right? All the sense of the world. Yeah, phones are lit up. I want to get to all you and talk about this because this is stupid. This is getting to the level of stupidity and the, 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 the numbers and the stats and the information they didn't want us to have. They're now needing to release this because they needed to use it for their agenda, continue it on later on. And the little tweet, tweet word on the street is that uh, Joe Biden's going to try and do another nationwide lockdown starting in mid-August in a couple of weeks, right at the time of school starting right at the time of some other stuff as well. So this is going to be really interesting. Governor Kelly now has implemented the statewide mask mandate for federal or for statewide employees and for visitors of the Capitol and that sort of thing. It's time for you to say no. Just say no. This is getting dumb. Andy, it's really it's really contagious and it's really bad. It's really contagious. It is really contagious. You're right. They say now that it's as contagious as like the chicken pox. So if you're around someone in any way, shape or form for a few minutes, you have the potential of getting it. Do you also know the severity of it for healthy people, like people that are just normal, that haven't already been vaccinated, people that haven't already taken precautions, people that haven't already kind of isolated themselves away from society? Do you know the effects of it? It's a death rate of like 0.03%, 0.08%, between 0.03.08. That was the numbers that came out just a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, death rates right now from COVID-19 are the lowest that they've been throughout the entire year and a half for the pandemic. Yes, there's more people getting tested positive. Yes, there is a increase, slight increase in hospitalizations. The death rate, which no one talks about, read the news stories, watch the headlines when they talk about it being more contagious, when they talk about it being more severe, whatever the case is, look at the death rate. The death rate is still the lowest it's been throughout the entire pandemic so far. But it's the fear of the it's more contagious, therefore go get the vaccine that causes mutations and then wear the mask after you get the vaccine because the vaccine, you could still get sick after getting the vaccine. So I get the vaccine because the vaccine's going to protect you, but you're still getting positive and being and spreading it with outbreaks. But you need the vaccine and then wear the mask. Well, why can't I just not get the vaccine and just wear the mask? No, you can't do that because then you're an unvaccinated jerk who's just trying to kill people and spread the virus. <laughs> You like this cycle? This is fun. My brain hurts already, and it's already 9 o'clock in the morning. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. We'll talk a little bit about this with Attorney General Derek Schmidt in just a little bit. Karen Tyson, state senator, she'll be joining us at the top of next hour as we talk with her district number 13. She's also announced her run for state treasurer in the state, so we'll ta- uh, talk with her. I love it. We talk with her about budget and with taxes and with spending and with the COVID relief money coming into the state of Kansas. We'll get her thoughts on all of that. And uh, we did not talk about the campaign for state treasurer because it's still a little early and we'll get her on for a campaign talk here in just a little bit as well then wrapping up the show we're going to not talk about politics for a little bit and have some fun mike furches we've had him on the program before he's a movie review critic here in the wichita area we'll get him on the program and do some movie reviews now that theaters are opening back up entertainment's still kind of happening and maybe we'll talk about some woke entertainment and we'll have some fun with that but it's open lines to you i want to get all your phone calls as we have the boards lit up right now so let's go to it here line number one good morning who's this Hello, Andy. It's Comrade Sean. Sean, what's going on, brother? How we doing? Well, here we go again, Andy. Have your uh, music standing by. All right. 19, part two, death <laughs> panic. <laughs> yeah, there you are. And as soon as you get out of bed in the morning, the first thing you do is start risking your life. Yeah. Within two 
two footsteps. You can trip, fall, hit your noggin on the dresser, and die from a subdural hematoma. <laughs> you can you jump in the shower to get ready for work, you know, take a shower. You can drown in the shower. You can get electrocuted, ruin your coffee, or go up in flames, frying up some bacon and eggs. I've been crying out loud. So I came up with the ultimate, the ultimate risk mitigation strategy. Okay. Don't go nowhere. Don't even get out of bed in the morning. Mm, Just yeah. have you some snacks, some bottled water, your favorite beverages, uh, the remote, uh, snacks. Uh, Sorry, right uh, there. You can wake up. You can you can have your your little potty right there by the side of the bed, and then you can just sit there. I guess essentially that's what they want. They want you to live in that bubble. Don't go outside. Don't don't interact with society. Stay inside. Do your own thing because the world is very scary. We live in a biological world. You could get sick out there. You could get an airborne virus. You need to get the vaccine for the virus. Then wear a mask because when it mutates, then that way you don't breathe it in. You're very. It's a very scary world. And if you interact with anybody, you're probably going to spread some type of disease and kill them off. Yeah, well, <laughs> don't even have the don't even have a potty by the bed. Okay, just shove a catheter in and get yourself a bedpan. There you and go. If you don't like bedpans? Get you one of those newfangled cat pans that's self cleaning. Oh, I like and it. And you, you, you'll be safe. You'll, you'll be safe. You'll be safe you yeah. So here's the question: Do you think do you think people are going to use the example of Republicans in D.C. that happened just a couple of days ago with them walking the halls without the mask in protest of Nancy Pelosi? Is that going to be the wake up call for? Many state employees, maybe federal employees with the mandated vaccines that are going on. I mean, Biden's gotten letters from just about every agency under the executive branch requesting not to do that one. But do you think state employees here in Kansas, do you think that workers in Kansas all around are start going to say, no, I'm not going to wear the mask. And if you require it when I walk into a store, then I'm going to walk out and spend my money elsewhere with someone that's not going to. Do you think that we're finally to the point that we're going to stand up and fight this and ignore it? Or do you think that they're just going to go along with whatever said? Because that's the law, that's the rules, that's what we have to do. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because <clears throat> during your open mo- opening monologue, uh, I was thinking back to the 80s when they had that Just Say No to Drugs campaign, and I was thinking to myself, well, just say no to politicians. And I was going to bring that up to you, but you brought it up first. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I remember it, the D.A.R.E. The Dare program. I, so. I love the D.A.R.E. program, and I thought it was really cool the way that they did that. But that's the example that we need to use now. Just say no. Yeah, that's right. Not no, but hell no. Yeah, uh, exactly. Sean, I hate to cut you off, brother. I want to take some other phone calls before we take a break, but I appreciate that very much. And you're right. Be very scared. Live in your basement. Live in the bubble. Don't go out anywhere. That's essentially what they want. After getting the vaccine and wearing the mask, you should wear the mask probably when you're taking a shower by yourself too, because you don't want to spread it. You don't want to contaminate the water. They could get in the, the you, you know, they could get in the uh, the sewers. They could get in somewhere, maybe contaminate some some rats or some snakes or something, and then you know they go up into the surface and they get other animals. And when you end up eating it, it's going to be the cycle of life thing, right? <laughs> Let's go back to the phones here. Line number two. Good morning. Is this? This is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, sir? I'm fine. Um, my doctor advised me to get the vaccine. So I got the vaccine. I'm fully vaccinated. And because of that, and because of my age, okay. Now, I am absolutely not going to abide by any restrictions on me, period. I'll just tell them to um, just forget it. No, I'm vaccinated. I'm fine. Uh, I went to a specialist this past two weeks, one of the best specialists in Wichita. And I walked in there, 
course, I had my mask on because it was a medical facility and, a, and I have a serious condition. Sure. And I got in there, and the first thing I did, I brought, took out my card. I showed it to him. He had his mask on. I had my mask on. And he took off his mask, and he says, he says, Fred, he says, we're vaccinated. We're fine. Do not, do not ever wear your mask again because you're wow. vaccinated. And, and that was a, that was a high dollar uh, medical doctor here in Wichita. Sure. Now, the, re- the rest of this is just politics. The rest of this is just politicians trying to dictate to us what we want, what we're going to do. No, no. No, Andy. Good for you. Now, I don't totally agree with you on some things, but what I'm saying is this has gone far enough. We're not little puppets, and we need to just stand up and say absolutely not. It's an individual's personal right, whether to wear one or not to wear one, whatever they think is best for them, and I've always thought that. If if you don't want to wear one, that's fine. But absolutely not am I going to wear a mask for any place of business because you're not going to get my business and I hope you go broke because there are plenty of businesses out there that will welcome you in without a mask. And that's the way I feel. Good for you. I'm, I'm so glad. And you know, it's all right for us to disagree on some of this stuff, but I'm glad you're taking a stand on this because that was the point for you to get vaccinated, right? Is that you're protected. You don't have to worry about these restrictions anymore. You can get back to life. That's what they pushed for the last, I don't know, eight months since the vaccines come out, eight, 10 months is get the vaccine. You can go back to normal. We're going to get this herd immunity. We're going to do this thing. And that was the point. Now they're saying, obviously, okay, you know what? Science changes. We understand more about the Delta variant. It transmutes. It, it mutates whatever okay but still it's when it's even less severe than the other one which they're trying to say it's not but the death rate shows otherwise right now you don't need to walk around with a mask even after getting vaccinated when is it going to end that's the question if it continues to mutate and it's going to be quote-unquote more contagious which is always going to be uh but that means it usually gets less severe as it mutates and becomes more contagious at what point can we say we can get back to normal because by this mindset we should just wear masks the rest of our life every single time we walk outside and that's not a logical position to take no you know what andy i'm 76 okay i have special conditions you're just a young kid hell you're only in your early 30s man you don't have anything to worry about me hey i've been over the i've been over the hill quite a ways so for for younger people and people that don't even have to worry about anything just go for it don't wear your mask just go in there have fun live because you only live once and you might as well enjoy it and why spend another year wearing a mask that's that's ridiculous yeah period I'm telling you, it's crazy. Frederick, I appreciate that. I'm so glad you're standing up and and, uh, taking this stand, and I appreciate that uh, very much. I think a lot of people are doing the same. They're frustrated. They're angry. We're not doing another round of this. We're not. There's no reason to shut the country down. There's no reason to shut shut the state down or the city or the county. We have some news about that when we come back as well. We'll kind of... I guess, guesstimate, predict what's going to happen here in the city and the county moving forward with this as well with the Delta variant. We're just weeks away from the beginning of the school year, and we'll talk about what that could look like here in just a minute as well. Plus, I do want to talk about the contractual ideas of businesses mandating the vaccine. Are they allowed to do so? Are they not allowed to do so? I want to hear from some business owners today on that thought on whether you would try to mandate the vaccine for your employees or if you think you're allowed to, even whether you would or wouldn't, whether you're allowed to mandate the vaccine, for your employees. 
I really want to have that conversation today. It's Kansas Talk right here on KQAM, presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. They're opening up here in just about five minutes at 930. They open until 230 this afternoon as well. Also online at philscoins.com. It's Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, the only place really in the Mid-America region that actually has silver on hand because of the high demand that's going on with that precious metal. It's Phil's Coins, proud sponsor here on KQAM and on Candace Talk. We love Phil Martinez. We love those guys to death. Appreciate them very much. It's Candace Talk here on KQAM. Stay here. All right, went long in that last segment. Lots more coming up. we got bottom-of-the-hour news. When we come back, we'll talk with Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. We'll take more of your phone calls. We'll talk about COVID. We'll talk about the vaccine mandates, mask mandates in the state, and a heck of a lot more. And we'll get away from COVID for a little bit as well. Candace Talk here on KQAM. More coming up. Stay here. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. 9.35 already this morning here on a Saturday. Great to have you today trying to kick off your weekend. I don't want to get you all riled up first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. You know that I do. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, this portion brought to you by Phil's Coins. 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity. They are officially open right now. Open until 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at fieldscoins.com for all your buying and selling needs with gold and silver. One of the few places in the state or in the Mid-America region that actually has silver on hand. Make sure and go and check them out. Phil's Coins. We'll get back to some of the COVID discussions here. And just uh, By the way, it is hot right now. 80 degrees already at like 9 a.m. And it's supposed to be near 100 again today. Global warming has officially hit. Am I right? Am I right? Come on. The best part about it, uh, so excuse me if you hear a little bit of noise in the background, but our AC at the studio went out. I know. So we have fans in every studio with all the computers and equipment and technology around here that like makes things hotter. So we have fans all over the place. So if you hear something humming in the background, it's just the fan. Uh, but on the other hand, I did gain another fan, right? Good, good. Come on, man. All right. All right, so anyways, we sat down with Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. There's a lot of legal issues going on in the state of Kansas right now as uh, we have not only the continued investigation with the KCC, the Kansas Corporation Commission, on the high utility rates that happened back in February with the extreme cold weather, which, again, I said earlier in the show, I would totally choose that negative 20-degree temperatures over this 100-degree weather right now. I'm just saying, I went out in that extreme cold as I've been doing like this crazy health kick with cold exposure because it's supposed to like reboot your immune system, it's supposed to make you healthier for short-term cold exposure, taking the cold showers, doing the vitamin stuff. But I went out there, and I would sit outside of that negative 20-degree weather, and it actually wasn't that bad for short amounts of time. So I would take that over this any day. But nonetheless... If you remember, your natural gas bill went up quite a bit from like $6 per cubic foot to $600 per cubic foot. What the heck happened there? They say it was a supply-demand issue, but yet there's a lot of other shenanigans going on. So uh, Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt gives us an update on that one. Also, there's some judges that are kind of going rogue in the state that are causing some havoc. Number one, SB40. The Kansas Emergency Management Act, if you remember, kind of put some more power into the state legislature as opposed to the governor on times of emergency to have more control. 
At the same time, what it did was that if a school district, for example, tries to implement a mask policy, you could uh, uh, contest it and they would have like seven or 10 days to actually convene and hear it and make a decision on it. And it kind of bogged down the court system a little bit there. So a judge tried to rule against that. Was it just that portion? Was it the entire SB 40? And what's the latest on lawsuits going on there in the state of Kansas? Plus some judges not wanting to enforce the new voter ID laws or the uh, the voting, the ballot harvesting law that they passed in the state legislature this year and some of the new election laws that we passed. So what the heck's going on there as well? Plus we'll talk about some COVID stuff with him as well. We sat down with him yesterday. It's Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. And this is what he had to say on all these issues and more. Super excited to head back on here. Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt with us. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's great to talk to you. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now, a lot of moving parts, obviously, with the COVID stuff I want to get into, uh, some of the other lawsuits going on in the state as well. But it seems like the courts have been pretty active in the state of Kansas as of lately with a few things going on. First off, I know you've been involved with some of the investigation on what happened back in February. Thank God we're still talking about this with the KCC, the extreme uh, cold that happened in that cold front and the high utility rates uh, with the investigation right now with the KCC. What's the latest on this? And have we heard anything about price gouging or anything weird going on from uh, those high utility rates back in February? Of course, the issue here is what caused the price of gas to spike so sharply during that frigid week back in February. Obviously, supply and demand was was a major factor, but going from two or three dollars a unit to six hundred dollars a unit in two days at least raises suspicions that there might have been more than that going on. And so, you know, there are at least three different tracks of things that have been ongoing. We opened an investigation at the attorney general's office right at the end of that cold spike back in February. Uh, to try to figure out whether there's evidence that would show that somebody illegally uh, jacked up prices back then yeah. in violation of what's called our, it's commonly called our price gouging law. It's called the anti-profiteering statute that was in effect because there was a state of disaster emergency in effect because of the winter storm. That investigation for us is ongoing. Uh, it's going to take a long while. It's a complicated market. There are a lot of moving parts. Uh, but our focus is, was there illegal conduct that's provable? There's a second track where a lot of users have hired private counsel, and there are a bunch of private lawsuits underway. Uh, and that's sort of on the private side of the ledger. We're we're aware of that. We're keeping very close tabs on it. We are in communication uh, when appropriate with some of the folks involved in that. But that really is a, a private action, not a government state action. Sure. And then the third track is the Corporation Commission, which has been asked by some of the natural gas companies to to uh, allow rates to be to, to allow those costs to be passed through to ratepayers, And what we've done now this week is we've actually intervened in that KCC rate case. Not that we're, I mean, it's KCC's decision what to allow in terms of pass-through costs, but because we have an ongoing investigation of some of the same players that's trying to determine whether there was, you know, illegal conduct that contributed to those high prices, we want to be sure that the two government tracks are closely coordinated. So the right hand and left hand uh, know what each is doing. So that's why we've intervened there. We want to be sure that uh, our work on behalf of consumers is available to the corporation commissioners as they make their rate decisions. 
It's really good to hear. I mean, what, what boggled my mind was that talking to some of the state legislators is that when the utility companies buy the energy, they buy it in about a third between buying it, you know, a year out based on commodity prices, being, uh, buying it a, a quarter or two out based on commodity prices when things are low to get it at a good rate, and then a third of it actually when we need it on demand. And that was the crazy part that we where we ran into the shortage and we saw the massive spike. So going from the, you know, $6 a cubic unit to the $600 or whatever it was, I mean, it was a drastic. Uh, price increase for only about a third of the energy that we actually use at that time because the majority of it was already paid for, wasn't it? Right. So every contract is different for different purchasers along the supply chain for natural gas. There are different terms for each one. Overall, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that rule of thumb, a third, a third, a third, is generally correct. But the contract dynamics are unique for each and every one. That's what makes this in part so complex. From our vantage point, from the Attorney General's office, we are not particularly focused on terms of individual contracts. Obviously, those are relevant. But there's an overarching state statute that doesn't apply only to natural gas. But it says that during a time of a declared disaster emergency, it's illegal to raise prices uh, by a certain amount for any necessary good or service that's needed to respond to the emergency. Well, obviously, natural gas was needed to respond to the winter weather emergency. And so the interaction between that overarching state statute and the terms of individual contracts in a very complicated market uh, is, is what's going that's what we're looking at and that's what's going to take I think quite some time to sort out yeah it sounds like a complete mess but I'm glad you guys are staying on top of that one because we haven't heard anything for a while so at least the the the, the investigation is still ongoing little by little let's shift gears a little bit to some judges we've heard some news over the last week or two about uh, judges and some of the decisions they've been making one of them with the Candace Emergency Management Act, which obviously we're out of the state of emergency in the state of Candace with COVID now, but uh, some judges wanting to write off parts of it on the power that the legislature tried to take over during the legislative session away from Governor Laura Kelly. Some of the courts not liking that in the state. Where are we with some of this, and what is the power now with this new Candace Emergency Management Act that we passed in the session this year? So the legislature during this past session did make many amendments to the Kansas Emergency Management Act. And overall, I think it's fair to describe their changes as designed to give, uh, to make it harder for government to impose restrictions, both state and local governments, and to provide more options, rights, or abilities for individual citizens to challenge any of those government emergency uh, decisions. There are lots of different pieces of that the legislature enacted, but that's the overall theme. So what's happened now is that uh, happened to be over in Johnson County, there are some school districts that had certain mitigation requirements in place, masks and other mitigation requirements for their students. There were some parents who were uh, unhappy, displeased with those, at least as applied to their students. And those parents took advantage of some of these new statutory provisions that were designed to allow them to more easily challenge those government actions, those school district regulatory actions. Yeah. The school districts and the parents were in litigation over uh, their particular case, when the judge in that case, uh, in our view at least, took it upon himself uh, to to raise the question of whether the new statute the legislature enacted was valid at all. That really hadn't been argued by the parties, but the court raised that question, invited us to intervene in the case for the purpose of defending the validity, the constitutionality of the statute. We did that. The court was not persuaded and struck down the statute. We responded by saying, all right, we're going to appeal that ruling, but while we do, we're having a bit of trouble understanding from the words of the ruling itself just how broad this order is. 
Did the court just strike down the individual pieces of the new statute that were at issue in this case, which is just a few? Or did it strike down the entire Emergency Management Act or something in between? We asked the court to give us some clarity, basically put the ruling on hold while we went to the appellate court to sort things out. Court declined to do that. So we are now at a stage we're going to appeal to the Kansas Supreme Court, and we'll be asking them to put this whole ruling on hold uh, pending all the details being sorted out. So it, it is a bit of a mess right now. And of course, the unfortunate part beyond the individual case is that because of what we think is the ambiguity in the district court's ruling, there are now bona fide questions all around the state on which parts, if any, of the Emergency Management Act are actually in force and what tools are available in the event of a disaster, not just COVID, but a tornado, a flood, a wildfire, all of those things. So we're trying to get some clarity. Well, it was a good concept from the legislature trying to divide some of the power and make sure that, you know, there's an overall sense of agreement between the legislature and the governor during times of emergency for long term emergencies, kind of what I think what they wanted to do. But you're right. I mean, it, it needs to be addressed on some of the fine details of if we do challenge a law or challenge a mandate of a mask mandate for children or something like that. You know, do we have enough time to actually look at the issue? And if one piece of this falls as the entire SB 40 bill fall in general, I mean, that's kind of a concerning issue. It really is. And on the, on the narrow issue that originally gave rise to this case, which is there's a provision in the, the new statute that the legislature just created that says that uh, an aggrieved party, in this case parents who are, are uh, discontented with the school district regulatory action, uh, after they go through and ask the school district to take another look, if that doesn't work out for them, they can go to court, file an action. And the court has a very limited amount of time. I think it's seven days or something like that. Uh, to make a decision. And if the court doesn't, and this is the fairly unusual part, then the, 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 the complainant, the plaintiff, the aggrieved party, gets the relief they sought. Now, that's an unusual provision of law. It's not entirely without precedent, but it is unusual. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that's what the court is really focused on. That's what we're defending. And you know, we understand that that's an issue the courts have to sort out. But what's unfortunate here is that in sorting out that very narrow and precise issue, there's now been this pall of uncertainty cast over the entire statute and lots of other changes that nobody was really uh, arguing about. Sure. We're talking with Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. At the same time, we've heard some other courts in the state or some judges make the comment that with the new election laws in the state of Kansas that they wouldn't necessarily want to enforce those in the local community regarding ballot harvesting and some of the new mandates that came down or some of the new bills and laws that came down from the state legislature this year as well. Is that a cause for concern? And is that something you guys are looking into as well about enforcement of some of the new election laws? It is. Uh, you know, election law reform and election security and ballot security, those are hot topics uh, all over the country. Uh, it's part of this broader battle between folks on the left and folks on the right that plays out in individual circumstances and in individual states on individual laws. And a lot of states like Kansas made changes to election laws this year. Uh, and most of those states now have been sued by folks unhappy with those changes. Kansas is no exception. Our legislature made what we thought were some fairly reasonable, fairly modest changes to election law, making it harder to engage in ballot harvesting and making it harder to mail out unsolicited ballot applications, that sort of thing. Uh, And Kansas was sued twice, uh, almost immediately upon that law entering into force. We're in the process of defending against those lawsuits, one's in state court and one's in federal court. Meanwhile, we have uh, at least one prosecutor in the state who's made the decision that 
that office is not going to enforce those laws, is not going to bring charges for violation of those new laws. Now we're looking at that issue to figure out uh, what options there may be to you know, help ensure that the law is enforced fairly and even-handedly all over the state, uh, uh, regardless of you know, which county you happen to live in. So unfortunately, I think the politics and the emotions that surround election issues have really invaded some of the uh, the legal process here in, in the sense that um, there's a lot of litigation challenging and, and other legal decisions being made, perhaps in large part motivated by things other than a raw analysis of the law. So we're trying to rectify that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good to at least look at some of that. Last couple of questions before we let you go, but uh, talk about some of the, uh, you guys have been working with some pharmaceutical companies on opioid distribution here in the state, trying to work on addiction, which has always been a major issue in the state of Kansas, unfortunately. But what's the latest that you guys have on this issue? We've been working on this now for years, uh, Andy, and I'm, I'm really pleased we've just been able to announce a settlement with the three big drug distribution companies, the middlemen, if you will, to get drugs from the manufacturers to the pharmacies, uh, and with Johnson & Johnson, obviously one of the major manufacturing companies uh, in the country. Uh, this is going to be the largest civil settlement involving states since uh, the tobacco settlement. It's the second largest in history. And what we're focused on there, uh, you know, obviously we're not trying to second guess what doctors do with their patients in terms of prescribing medications, nor are we doubting that there are many, many cases where it's important to have uh, effective pain medications. Those aren't the issues. The problem is there's very good evidence that over the last 20 years or so, uh, a number of the drug companies, in order to maximize their sales and therefore their profits, uh, really far, far over-aggressively marketed these pain medications, including things like uh, providing uh, you know, false information about their addictive nature, about by funding these third-party pain management groups, which in turn turned around and advocated for uh, more pain medications to be sold and prescribed, all these things that had nothing to do with human health or pain management and everything to do with maximizing profits. And bottom line, we think that constituted illegal false advertising. Uh, we've now reached this settlement. It's a $26 billion settlement nationwide with the three distributors and Johnson & Johnson. Uh, there's going to be a lot of moving parts on this going forward because although the states have reached settlement, many local communities within states have brought their own lawsuits on the same conduct for the same harm. And they're going to have to decide now one by one whether they participate in our global settlement or whether they continue to march off on their own and, and uh, press their claims. So this is going to be in the news a lot going forward, but the bottom line is uh, we are on the verge of recovering a significant amount of money for Kansas that by law, the legislature made this decision by law, will have to go out uh, to support local services in communities around the state that deal with addiction prevention, addiction treatment, that basically deal with the problem that was caused by this false marketing that led to addiction. Wow. Well, I didn't realize this was going on, but it's good that we actually are trying to hold them accountable a little bit. How much is Kansas set to receive in this settlement? The numbers vary widely. We think it's in the between $90 million and $190 million over about 17 years. The reason the number varies so widely is there are still several variables that we can't control. We just have to see how they play out. Uh, and the two big ones are how many of our local governments in Kansas will choose to give up their own claims, set their own lawsuits aside, and instead participate in this global settlement, thereby becoming eligible for some of this money. The more local governments that choose to participate, the larger the state recovery will be that's then shared with everybody. 
And then the second big variable that's still being worked out in part uh, is who's going to pay and how much will be paid for all of these private attorneys that um, some states, not Kansas, but many, many local governments hired. That's one of the frustrations to me. It's a different subject for a different day, but uh, there were just a whole lot of private lawyers who went out there and signed up a lot of government units, thousands of them, on a contingent fee basis, and frankly added almost no value to resolving this case. That's the frustrating part. Sure. Uh, and yet they are now entitled, all of them, to be paid under the terms of their contracts. That's going to run into the billions of dollars in attorney's fees. And obviously the more money that gets paid to the private outside attorney's, the less there is available for Kansas and other states to dedicate to addiction services. So that's why the range is so wide. We still have to work out those two big variables. Really interesting. Wow. I, I'm looking forward to hearing some more as uh, that kind of comes to fruition. You guys get more details on that one. Last question before we let you go, Attorney General Derek Schmidt. But let's talk about COVID for a second. We had the announcement this week from Governor Kelly about mask mandates for state employees uh, regarding, uh, regardless of whether you've actually been vaccinated or not. We see hospital situ- uh, hospital institutions actually mandating vaccines in the state of Kansas as well now. And now the concern is a potential private businesses mandating vaccines for employees. I'm assuming whether people like the vaccine, don't like the vaccine, whatever, I'm assuming we're going to start seeing litigation come out challenging these on individuals' rights to be able to choose what they want to put in their body or even relate onto their employers. Are you anticipating these sorts of lawsuits coming to the state of Kansas? And what could we expect moving forward here? Well, I won't be surprised if there's a round of litigation over this. Obviously, anybody can bring a private lawsuit, march into the courthouse and file suit and press their claim. Uh, and I, I suspect we're going to see some of that going forward. Uh, you know, the, the, the underlying problem here, of course, is that there is a resurgence uh, in the virus. There are more cases. There's this new variant. There are more hospitalizations, and that's a serious public health concern. My own view is that government needs to learn from uh, the, the problems of the last several rounds, of the last year and almost a half now, uh, and, and just mandates are not the solution to this problem. Uh, I think no more mandates is really important. We will have, you know, the old expression is you, you catch more flies with sugar than you do with vinegar. <laughs> and I, I really think that a, a campaign of persuasion and example is far, far better than just trusting citizens when you give them good information as opposed to coming at them from the government and mandating. So uh, I, I think the strategy could be perhaps perfected a bit more to be more respectful of citizens' rights and liberties. And that, I think, in turn, would be more effective in terms of the public health uh, outcomes, getting more people to choose on their own uh, to get vaccinated. That would be ideal. That would be ideal. And I think a lot of people would warm up to that. I myself have not gotten vaccinated. And uh, the more that we see government try to force us to do so, the more I push away and I and I won't want to get vaccinated. And I think I know a lot of people that have that same mindset. So as you mentioned, trying to educate and be more transparent on the information, I think would warm more people up to the idea. Attorney General Derek Schmidt uh, for the state of Kansas. We always appreciate the time, my friend. Keep up the fight. I know you guys are extremely busy up there. We look forward to it, but thank you for the time again, my friend. Look forward to doing it again here soon. Thank you, Andy. Great to visit with you. Take care. There it is. Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. A lot of great information there. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground, so we appreciate him, and we uh, will try and get him on on a semi-monthly basis to talk about some of the issues going on with the Kansas Attorney General's office. If you notice, we did not talk about his run for the governor's race 
here in the state. We're going to do that as the election gets closer next year for the midterm elections. No need to do that right now. Right now, we're in the battle of legalities here in the state, and it's going to be interesting. So we'll continue with that, and, and we'll have him on, on a semi-regular basis. We appreciate his time very much. It's weird. We uh, we went for so long without having him on the show, and then uh, now we can get him on a monthly basis. So it's cool. It's always great to talk with him, and we appreciate his time very, very much, especially, I mean, that was almost 20 minutes of a, of a discussion. So the fact that he gave us that much is awesome. We appreciate that. All right. Wrapping up our number one, our number two of Candace Talk. Goes by way too quick. We have State Senator Karen Tyson. She's uh, also a candidate for state treasurer. We didn't talk about that issue as well, but we did do a bit of a recap on the legislative issues. We talked about budget. We talked about taxes. We talked about sales taxes. We talked about money coming in from COVID. We talked about a lot of financial things. Obviously, her forte if she's running for state treasurer. I know. So we'll talk about that. Plus, Mike Furches will do a movie review wrapping up the show today as well. Plus, I want to hear from you business leaders as well on your thoughts. Mandated vaccines from a business standpoint, from a private business. Can you do it? Is it against the contract that you signed with your employees? Would you do it if you could? And what's your thoughts on that whole issue? So we'll do that when we come back as well. Hour number two, flying right on by. Candace Talk here on KQAM. Stay here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome in. There we go. Welcome into the show. It's hour number two of Kansas Talk. Helps if I hit the button right. <laughs> Great to have you along for the ride today on a Saturday morning on Kansas Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier here on the Big Talker. Uh, 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. I'm getting distracted by all the fans in here. I know. Like everybody loves, oh, Andy. No, it's actually just fans because it's hot. Nonetheless, it's uh, great to have you along for the ride today. A lot of great conversation we had in hour number one. Attorney General Derek Schmidt talked about the COVID stuff. We'll get back to that here in just a little bit as well. We'll get your phone calls as well for hour number two at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we'd love to hear from you. All presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. It's Phil's Coins. They're open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. You can also find them online at philscoins.com. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to get right into our next interview. Super excited to have on the program State Senator Karen Tyson. She is candidate for uh, Kansas State Treasurer next year in the midterm election. But we didn't talk about that. We talked about the legislative session, kind of a recap there, and budgetary issues. Obviously, someone who wants to be treasurer. Uh, we talked about some of the taxes. We talked about the budget. We talked about some of the COVID-19 relief money coming into the state, what that's going to be used for, and how we're faring financially in the state of Kansas. From District Number 13, it's State Senator Karen Tyson here on Kansas Talk. From District Number 12 in the state of Kansas, it's State Senator Karen Tyson with us here. Karen, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Andy. Thanks for asking. Ah, it's great to have you on the program. It's been way too long. It was a heck of a legislative year this year. You guys got a lot done. Still some things that... You didn't get quite wrapped up, but as the uh, what she tries to say is the uh, governor that doesn't like vetoes, she sure vetoed a lot of stuff. You guys had a chance to override a lot of those vetoes, but overall, what was your thoughts on the legislative session this year? Did you see it pretty productive? It was a very productive session, especially for Kansas taxpayers. You know, it's funny that she says she doesn't like vetoes. I think she's on record now for the most vetoes in one session, <laughs> and you've heard it said 
that one of the most dangerous things in Kansas now is uh, Governor Kelly with a pen. Yeah, yeah. It, I would sad. agree. It, it's sad. <laughs> it's sad because you're right. So there's uh, she tried to stop a lot, and we didn't get everything we needed to overridden, but uh, we did get a, a relatively decent budget. Uh, we could have looked at some more tax stuff, but as we go through this year, now that we've officially hit the new federal or the statewide budget that started here in July. How did we end up right now with our budget? I know we have a lot of money coming in from COVID relief in the state. We didn't really touch tax rates. More money did go to education. But overall, your thoughts on the budget that we started, and is, are there ways that we can fine-tune it going into the next legislative session? There absolutely are. We have a tendency to overspend. What happens in Kansas is we have a baseline budget process where they start from the previous year's budget and go up. Well, we passed legislation in two thousand and. 16, I think it was, that had demanded a performance-based budget. Mm. And the Department of Administration has not been doing, not just the Department of Admin, but all of the administration has not been doing that for the budget process. It was supposed to promote efficiencies, allow legislators to see duplicate programs. And, you know, if the program exists because of statute, rules and regs, or did a agency just make it up and how they were funded. They haven't been doing that. So a proviso was put in the budget. Actually, I ran the amendment on the floor, passed both chambers, and the governor line item vetoed it. But it would have reined it in. It would have forced them to do the budget properly because if they didn't do it right next year, it would have been an automatic 2% cut to their budget. Wow, how crazy. Well, I know they said they wanted to uh, really leave the budget, leave the taxes alone because of COVID. We weren't sure what the budget was going to look like. But we ended this last year with almost $2 billion in reserves for the state of Kansas, which is a lot of money. I mean, that's almost unnecessary. Are there any discussions going uh, going next year to really revise it to allow that if the if the state government has that much money sitting in a safety net, sitting in emergency funds or whatever, that we can start relaying some of that back to the people with some tax cuts, either, I don't know, sales tax on food like we've talked about for a while, property tax reduction, state, ta- uh, state tax. What could we do to start getting some of that money back to the people? Well, just what you said, all of the above, and I'll add to that legislation that we passed in the Senate this year. And I understand the House didn't want to move on it this next this year, but hopefully next year we can get them to join us and put it across the finish line to remove income tax on all retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we should be able to take that as far as removing our Social Security also, because like you said, billions in the bank. Yeah. It doesn't need to be sitting in the state's coffers. It needs to be in your pocket where you can spend that money and you can manage it. Yeah, well, and that's where it needs to be, and it's sad because it, there's always a concern that when government has that much money, they try to expand the size of government, and then when we run into a rut and run into a slow period of time, then we struggle to maintain the programs that we expanded, and I'm concerned that's going to happen again. That's absolutely my concern, especially with what people are going through with the COVID, with the wreck that the unemployment system was, the government just printing money. We all see where this is going. It's dangerous. And we don't support it. So we need to be very cautious how we move forward and make sure that we're protecting ourselves for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And that means keeping the taxpayer money in their pocket. Boy, that sounds really nice. We're talking with State Senator Karen Tyson, District Number 12 in the state of Kansas. Let's talk about the Department of Labor for just a second. I know you guys were looking at different investigations on the last year and how poorly it was run during the COVID pandemic. And obviously, it's not intended to have 
a vast amount of people like we saw during the pandemic try and file for unemployment in the state, but they're still running into issues. Some people still not even being able to receive some of their benefits. Have you heard any updates on where that investigation is? I know they're upgrading their systems. Is it getting better or what's the latest from the KDOL? Well, they, they still have issues. The problem, it wasn't just that people weren't able to get the money that qualified for it. The problem also was the fraud. We paid out more fraud. In fact, it's estimated that Kansas had more fraud, fraudulent claims, stolen identity, than any other state in the nation for a 10-day period. That's horrible. Wow. So, yeah, we're, we're demanding that they get it under control, but they keep taking missteps in managing and the intent to get a new system in place. So it's completely frustrating, especially, you know, we can do so much as a legislature, but the buck stops with the governor and her administration on how they're managing that program. And and they do have some great people over at the Department of Unemployment. They've been working tirelessly to get people their money and to stop the fraud. But the way that the program was put out for bid for a new system, it's just been a mess. It has been a mess, and it's almost gut-wrenching. It makes my stomach hurt a little bit just thinking of how much money of our taxpayer money has gone to scammers because we didn't have a proper system in place and how much money was lost to the state that I don't think we're ever going to get back. Absolutely, and, you know, it wasn't an issue that just originated during the pandemic. They knew about this before the pandemic started. Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. As we talk about unemployment, though, I know the economy is slowly starting to open back up again. I know CandiceWorks.com has like near 50,000 jobs available on it right now. We have a record amount of jobs available in the state. But yet we just heard just last week that Governor Kelly has announced that we're not going to end the COVID-19 additional unemployment benefits of the three to four hundred dollars a week. Uh, we're not going to end it early, and it's going to go through the beginning of September when the federal program is set to end. I still think the federal government is going to try to extend it afterwards as well. But what can we do to try and get business back on track? Businesses are suffering not only from trying to stay and maintain uh, from the COVID pandemic, but now trying to bring employees back to work uh, with either the wage uh, issue or the labor shortage or however people want to look at it right now. But that announcement last week from Governor Kelly was a little disappointing. I mean, it was expected, but it was uh, uh, disappointing. It was very disappointing, and it demonstrates what happens when you get somebody that doesn't have Kansas values, Kansas work ethic, or business experience as CEO of the state of Kansas. We can't continue to put people in these statewide positions that do not have strong Kansas values. They were raised, she was raised in New York. I mean, seriously, why would we put her in the governor of Kansas? Yeah. I mean, a Kansas, a Kansan, I don't believe any party Kansan, Democrat or Republican, would have tried to shut down the tur- churches. They wouldn't have tried to close all of the businesses deeming some essential and some non-essential. You and I both know if it's your livelihood, it's essential. So I just am completely frustrated. What we can do going forward, and we attempted to do in legislation this year, was to reimburse businesses, retail businesses that were shut down in Kansas and were not allowed to operate. We were attempted to put uh, reimburse them with property tax relief. Wow. Politics got in the way. Yeah, we had it until the last day of session um, before Sine Die. Politics got in the way, and we lost that one piece of work. It was mm. it was excellent. Dr. Mark Steffen 
and some other senators had worked to put it together, myself included, but they were they took the lead on that effort. And I'll tell you what else we did get passed, though, thank you to Representative Ken Corbett, is we passed legislation that if government shuts down businesses in the future, those businesses will not be responsible for property tax. Oh, good. Good. That is good news because now the conversation is again that we may be potentially be looking at either shutdowns or mask mandates or or I don't know. Now businesses are looking at, you know, vaccination cards for both the employees and for customers coming in. I mean, we're getting into weird territory again where we could see the governor trying to push some sort of shutdown again. And luckily, you guys passed the laws to kind of prevent her from doing so. But uh, it may be something that may be coming across your table again soon. You know, we've got a rogue governor. I tried to stop this last year when we passed that emergency resolution. She had too much authority for the type of situation that we were looking at, and she demonstrated her abuse of that authority. I, We are a free country. We are founded on liberties and individual freedom, and she, not just her, but many bureaucrats and other elected officials are trying to take those freedoms from us. We've got to stand up stronger than ever. We've got to be, instead of being the silent majority, we have to be the majority that's heard and protect our, you you know where I'm going with this, and to protect our um, basis for our country and our, our state. Yeah, amen to that. Talking with State Senator Karen Tyson, District Number 12, uh, here on Candace Talk. Let's shift gears a little bit. We mentioned it a little bit earlier, but the, the COVID-19 relief funds that are coming into the state, I mean, massive amounts of money coming into the state, both at school board levels, at city council levels, at county commission levels, and the state of Kansas getting a big amount of money as well. What are the plans to spend on some of that? I know you work out with the Transportation Committee as well in the state Senate. Is, is a lot of that going towards, you know, different infrastructure or transportation in the state? Is that going to go back to the people? Is that going to go into the emergency funds? What are the conversations right now of what that chunk of money is going to go to? Some of it is going to infrastructure, but as far as I'm concerned, not much of it, not enough of it, especially on the broadband. We've been studying broadband for years and not seeing results through the state of Kansas. Again, again, another we need people that have the experience and the exposure with the technical industry that we can get the job done, not just talk about it and study it. I'll tell you another concern of mine with the money is the fact that it's government picking winners and losers when they're giving out these grants and, and granted the businesses, I understand it was helpful, but some businesses in the same industry didn't even know that that money was available I know that there was a situation, they did correct it after they found out about it, but all the surrounding Walker plants got grants, but one that had been in business for 30 years didn't see a dime of the money, and they had applied for it. Nobody knew why they weren't accepted, but once that got back to the administration, they, they did fix that. So it just makes you wonder. In fact, it makes you wonder so much that I requested a legislative post audit on where the money's going and how it's being spent. Good, good. And when do we expect to see some results come in from that one? We should see it next year, 2022. Good. That would be really nice. Uh, last question before we let you go, but let's talk about some of the uh, some of the businesses that were shut down. I know some lawsuits came out uh, against counties or against government in general just about the shutdown, the loss of revenue from some of those. Candace Attorney General 
Uh, Derek Schmidt had been working on some of those, obviously representing the state, but a little concerned about businesses that did get shut down and some of the lost revenue. Do you see some advancement from those, and do you think that might set a precedent for us moving forward if we get into that scenario again? We have addressed some of that, but I, to me it needs stronger checks and balances. Yeah. We, we are supposed to be a representative government, and if we just turn over this authority with three branches of government, and if we turn over all of the authority to the administration, then we lose those checks and balances. Those have to be in place. And it was demonstrated more than ever last year during an emergency. Yeah. It, You know, the situation was very important and dire that needs to be addressed. But we had an overzealous governor that was attempting, in fact, did make it political. Yeah. And that's what is disappointing about it all. We need to protect our citizens. Yes, that is a priority. And it always will be a priority. But part of that protection is their freedom and their security. Sure. No, I am into that. And last question, I lied on that one. But last question, moving into next year and the new legislative session, what is on the agenda that you think that's going to be top priority for, for you to focus on and for the legislature as a whole? I know that we, as you mentioned, talking about some spending, talking about some tax cuts, getting money back to the people. But uh, with those, but other topics as well, what do you think is going to be first on the agenda when you guys reconvene in January? Well, I think there's going to be many issues. One of them I hope that you see is a constitutional amendment, a resolution passed for how we select our state Supreme Court justices. Right now, we there's no oversight. There's a committee that gives three names to the governor, the governor picks, and they're on the court, on the bench. So we changed that a few years ago with the appellate court and put Senate oversight so that the Senate votes up or down as to whether those appointments go through. And I'll give you a prime example of why that's needed. A couple years ago, the governor made an appointment to the appellate court uh, courts. And because we did have Senate oversight, that person did not receive one yes vote for the appointment. We were able to stop a a justice, a person that would have been appointed and that process needs to occur for the state Supreme Court, too. Sure. Wow. we got a lot of work to do, it sounds like. We had a good session, but we still have a long ways to go. And it seems like it's it's slowly getting there, but just the obstacles from Governor Kelly is making it difficult and the Kansas Supreme Court as well, as you mentioned, that we need to revisit well, and as I'll, well. Yeah, and Andy, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'll also throw out, we've got to address what our schools are teaching. They need to be <laughs> teaching fact, not subjective history not what they feel history occurred. We need the actual facts, the historical yeah. no, that's a data great point. and information. Are and you, you've heard the term critical race theory, yeah. 1619. All of that should be banned from our schools. And I'll be, I'm, I am already working on that effort. I'm really glad you mentioned that because I did, I did want to ask as well. I mean, that critical race theory, are you concerned that's coming to Candace? We heard up in the John, uh, Johnson County area, I believe, Kansas City area, that there were Overland Park, I think it was, that where they had tried to implement that within their school district. Uh, there's potential of it going elsewhere as well, which I would think that in Kansas that wouldn't be a, a thing here in the state, but apparently it is. It is, and I was also told it's in the Wichita School District that they're planning for it next year, too. So it it makes no sense that we're even fighting this battle. 
The yeah. fact that our schools have gone that rogue, and, and we've got great teachers, don't get me wrong. We've got excellent teachers. But yeah. for us to, for any person or any group to ask them to teach inaccurate information is just wrong. It's wrong and it's, so, and it's concerning, the fact that we're going down that road. You're right. It is. It is. So the fact that we even have to have legislation that stops it, but I'm not going to sit silent on this. Like I said, we've been the silent majority. We've got to start standing strong and having our voices heard. We're losing our First Amendment rights, our Second Amendment rights, and I will continue to fight for those. I will continue to stand for life. I signed the amicus, an amicus brief for the excuse me, U.S. Supreme Court pro-life ruling to come out on the Mississippi case. I don't know if you've heard about that or not. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the biggest rulings to come out next year. We need... We need to stand strong. Um, we're we're losing our country from within. Amen to that. Amen to that. And you guys are on top of I'm so glad you're working on legislation like that. I know other states, as you mentioned, have been doing this with uh, Alabama, with Nebraska, I think, is working on trying to pass uh, legislation to block that critical race theory and some of the other garbage coming from the Department of Education as well. It's State Senator Karen Tyson, District Number 12 for the state of Kansas. Thank you for coming on the program. Thanks so much for all the great insight. We need to get you back on here again real soon. That'd be great, Andy. I enjoyed visiting with you, and thank you to all your listeners. Welcome back in. Just a minute before the bottom of the hour. Thanks again to State Senator Karen Tyson on the program, District Number 12, as she is set to run for state treasurer next year in the midterm election. We'll get her back on as that election gets a little bit closer as well. Fascinating information, isn't it, about all of the spending, the budget, the taxes here in the state of Kansas, especially with covid That's been a blast. We'll take a break. Bottom of the hour news. When we come back, Mike Furches will do some fun on the entertainment side, Hollywood movie reviews, everything else that we want to talk about. It's been way too long since we've had him in studio. We'll do that when we come back here on Candace Talk, here on the Big Talker, KQAM. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome into Kansas Talk. Last half hour of the program goes by way too fast here on the Big Talker. 1480 AM, 1025 FM KQAM. It is a Saturday. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Cover a lot of ground. Attorney General Derek Schmidt on the program. Karen Tyson, District Number 12, Kansas State Senator. Elections coming up uh, fastly here in the state with uh, smaller ones this year. We'll get to that in a little bit as well with uh, school board coming up in November. We have uh, primaries coming up for city council and for small things as well there. Uh, we do have some county commission seats open, some ele- uh, city council seats open in November. As we get closer to those, we'll be talking a lot about them. For the month of August, We, uh, I think every Saturday this month, we have a candidate for the USD 259 Wichita School Board coming on the show. So it's going to be awesome. You can look forward to that one as I think that's going to be where the focus is going to be with the critical race theory coming out with uh, the, uh, of course, the other um, things that they try to mandate 
within our school districts. So that'll be some great conversations. But I want to get away from the politics for just a minute because this guy, it's been way too long since we've had him in studio. We love doing this before as we've talked movies, we've talked entertainment, we've talked pop culture, whatever else is on uh, here. But Mike Furch is back in studio with us. Mike, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. And uh, it's great to be back because this is one of the formats I get to talk a little bit of politics on occasion. Yeah, yeah. It's an open platform for that. I I love love being, it's, it's great to be back in here, Andy. I yeah, really appreciate it has it. been way too yeah. long, and yeah. I know it's been a weird year with COVID and everything. You guys fare okay? Everything well, well there? Uh, it's it's up and down. Uh, I've yeah. got two friends. Uh, well, I've actually got a number of friends. I've got seven friends that have succumbed to COVID. Mm. Uh, I've got a pastor friend that's in Wesley right now uh, with the new strain, and uh, he was vaccinated, to my understanding. Wow! And he's having a really rough time. So uh, some and some of those uh, Landon Spradlin people can Google these guys, but Landon was one of the first ones and. Man, he got bashed on the internet because he was uh, he was kind of an anti-vaxxer and kind of a denier of COVID. Mm. Uh, but Landon was a great musician, uh, made national news when it happened with him because the liberal press just loved to make fun of a conservative that died of COVID. Oh yeah. And then Harley Lamoureux uh, was a dear, dear, dear friend of mine, uh, and he he passed away. And Harley, uh, he was a harmonica player, called him Coconut, played with the Almond Brothers, played with Leonard Skinner, uh, nice. with Charlie Daniels. And uh, uh, but Harley Harley was a tough loss because he's such a good friend. Otherwise, you know, a lot has happened since the last time I've been in here. A lot, a lot has happened. happened. Yeah. yeah, very much. We were just talking off the air, trying to catch up, and uh, the the evolution of uh, thought process and the things, yeah. the way things are going with pop culture. It's been it's been a wild run for uh, for the last year or two. So uh, that, that I wanted to bring you in because I wanted to talk about that and just kind of get caught up. But I mean, with now, I thought it was the perfect time as well. Things opening back up again. I know you do your yeah. movie reviews, entertainment. Now that theaters are actually like halfway open again, they're all the way open. Uh, they are they're, fully uh, open. Okay. Yeah, I was at I was at a movie the other day, and uh, it was sold out, wow. full capacity. Uh, first time that's happened. I was a little uncomfortable with that. I was talking to my fiance. That's a new thing that's happened. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, uh, well, by the way. Thank yeah. you. I was talking with Sheila about that, and uh, it was a little uncomfortable. I, I, I still would like to see a little bit of social distancing in the theaters, uh, but it was jam-packed, somebody on my left and Sheila on my right, and one of the reasons I like social distancing in the theaters is I could get that back row and depending on how you be- <laughs> depending on how you bought the seat. There you go. You could have the whole back row in the theater to yourself, and and sometimes Sheila and I watch the movie. I love it. <laughs> so I good. But well, yeah, things are they're open full back up now. That is really good. I uh, this is kind of a same conversation we've had before, but it's still kind of the same old superhero movies, and I just. Yeah. I've so burnt out on those. Although yeah. Loki, I guess, is uh, is a good one, but I, I just I'm so burnt out on the superhero, you know, special, you know, graphics kind of thing. I just uh, I'm done yeah. with it. I haven't gotten into it. The uh, th- there's been a letdown. Of course, Loki's on Disney Plus. Yeah, uh, and you know, I've seen an, an episode of it. There are actually two of the movies that are the best movies that I've seen in quite some time. Actually, go against that trend. Okay, quite a bit. And one of them involves a somewhat conservative actor, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, okay. Uh, the movie Pig. It's uh, it's still in some theaters. I don't know if it's still in Wichita. It's going to streaming on the 3rd. I don't know what today's date is. Uh, uh, 31st. Okay, so yeah. on the 3rd. Yeah, okay. It's going to streaming <laughs> on the 3rd as well as being in theaters. But the movie Pig is a character-driven story. Best way I can describe it, here's this dude. He's a world-renowned chef like Julia Child, okay. known all over. And he's just had, this goes back to our conversation, I think you'd love this. He kind of goes off to the place that's like, I'm tired. Yeah. And so he decides to escape and go off the grid. He goes back into the mountains of Portland, of Oregon, and uh, he raises a pig that hunts truffles. 
and uh, he's there by himself. He sees one human being a week when he trades in his truffles for supplies. Wow. And someone steals the pig. Mm. Sounds crazy, don't it? Yeah. Uh, it is a character-driven story. Nicholas Cage is getting already Oscar uh, mention. Fantastic. He, he, he does a phenomenal job. And it's just kind of a discovery of how an individual can go from one extreme to another. But the importance of do we please society or do we somehow come to the place in life that we please ourselves? Sure. So I, I love that movie. And, of course, the other movie is Bourdain, the documentary about uh, Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, I've heard that one, too. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've really gotten out. I've been watching TV shows lately. and. Yeah. I, I want to go down this road with the quote-unquote woke Hollywood because I think I, I want to get your thoughts on whether that's impacted Hollywood or not over the last couple of years. But uh, I've been watching TV shows. Honestly, I watch Vikings. I, oh. I, I got the Viking culture. I'm going down there, and I have yet to see Vikings. So I'm in season number four right now. Oh, wow. I'm watching that one, which is great. Uh, the Last Kingdom, which is essentially Vikings from the Netflix version. I've been watching that, waiting impatiently for season number five of that to come out. Uh, but that's really where I've been. And then yeah. my wife watches reruns of Dateline. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of, and, and when we have time to watch TV, that's what I've been watching lately. Yeah. Well, what we got to do if you're watching Vikings, you, you're starting to get the look from the neck up. Yeah. Yeah. See, so I'm so getting the beard. Go- I got the mohawk yeah. thing going. Eventually, it's, it's almost long enough to braid. I don't know that I'm going to do it, <laughs> but it's almost long enough to do that. And I didn't wear it today, but I've actually been wearing a pen, uh, a pendum of uh, it, it's like a little snake thing in a circle, but it's like the protection of Odin. Yeah. And uh, I, I found out that I have a lot of lineage in that, so I'm trying to embrace the culture. Wow. That's what I'm doing. Well, what, 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 you, you were talking about your garden and stuff earlier. Yeah. So what you need to do is get you some, get you a few trees, you know, <laughs> so go out there and chop your wood, get yeah. that body mass built up, you know. I'm telling you. Get you some good vegetable-based uh, protein or good animal-based protein, well, some kind of protein to just build that up. Just build it up. Get big and buff, you know, then you'll be like one of those dudes on Vikings. Uh, well, I tell you what, my goal is, and our, our lot is really small, but my goal is one of these days when I get, uh, you know, the big national syndicated deal and I make lots of all this money, whatever, I'm buying this plot of land and I am living off the land. I am going off the grid. I am living without electricity. I'm I'm doing that. I'm cutting the firewood. We're doing the garden. We have the. I'm living off the grid, just doing my own thing. Well, and then you can have your truffle pig. Yeah, then I can have my <laughs> truffle pig. That's my goal. That is my goal. And then when you need to raid and pillage, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just to destroy, destroy. <laughs> I love the old Rush Limbaugh's description of war. Just you know what war really is is you just you just break things and yeah. kill people you yeah, know it's that's essentially what it is <laughs> kind of so, like a viking concept that, I, so. that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying so uh, did you watch the series did you like it i have not you know i've not seen the series you I, haven't okay. I, I have had this is one of those things about doing reviews and so forth so many people say oh you gotta see this you gotta see this yeah and i feel terrible because you're only like the thousandth and tenth person to <laughs> tell me i need to watch Vikings. it's it's honestly it's really good i love it i love the embracing of the culture because i, I enjoy that yeah. time era i enjoy the culture i enjoy that but it's a really good show my wife almost likes the last kingdom from netflix better than vikings though which is interesting and i i love them both i love them both um but yeah, if you like that time era kind of thing, both whether it's Viking or just the Middle Ages type of thing, they're both really, really yeah. cool. I love them. I love fantasy. I love historical fiction. Yeah. So something like that. You know, and now we know uh, we know now that Columbus was not the first one into America. Yeah. yeah. It was Vikings, Vikings came down here. Yeah, they were here way, way before. I mean, hundreds of years before Columbus. Yeah. And as far as far west as that we know as parts of Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, because we've discovered artifacts from the Viking culture that goes back that far. That's incredible. So, yeah, it's, it's, there's so much that we don't know. And uh, the study of history, 
of course, I think in a political climate, yeah. oh, my God, how we have screwed that one up, that we just we don't look at history like we used to. No, it's all just curbed into this corner, which uh, that's I wanted to talk to you about this, the woke community yeah. in Hollywood. Uh, unfortunately, politics has bled into it so much that now we pick and choose movies or actors that we want to watch based on their political affiliation. And I, I, I'll be the first to admit, I do not watch a Liam Neeson movie anymore after he called Americans stupid for having guns. I do not watch Robert De Niro movies anymore after he went so badly against Trump and went on stage and said blankety-blank Trump and I'm tired. I can't watch his movies any longer. I, I, I just can't do it. There are so many uh, woke, even crushes, Hollywood crushes. And then they're like, oh, I'm gonna, I, I can't support them anymore. And it's really hard because I just want to, it's kind of like what sports used to be as well before that went political is that's my escape from politics to zone out, go into another world and just enjoy. Yeah. And I can't do that anymore. Yeah. It, it becomes very difficult. And of course, I'm in, I'm in a catch 22 situation. Uh, I, I can be, uh, of course, a lot of folks that are probably listening that are tuning in that saw on Facebook tag or whatever. They know that I do another program. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the week, and actually, I did a television thing yesterday for about two hours, and uh, but I'm in a catch twenty two situation in that I review movies. Yeah, does that mean that I have to like the movie? That I have to support the actors or actresses or the mm-hmm. studio that's making the movie? Yeah. No, it does not mean that. Uh, but I watch movies from a different perspective. My faith is incredibly important to me. I try to find seeds of truth in a movie to point people to the truth. Yes. Uh, but the, the recent one that really got to me was Disney Plus and their action against the young lady in the Mandalorian series. Yes, that's right. Uh, and I cannot remember her name off the top of my head. But the, the, the woke perspective that they took against her. Unbelievable. Uh, it's totally unbelievable. And then we do, we do see, and it hurts. I think Hollywood... Uh, Big parts of Hollywood are seeing the damage of that. I don't under, I've never understood the business approach. Why alienate half of your customers? Yeah. And, and despite what position you take, I can live with the fact that approximately half of the perspective or half the viewpoint in America is contrary to my viewpoint. Sure. But they need to understand that half of the world's viewpoint is contrary to their viewpoint. So if I'm in a place of business in an economic perspective to where my income is based in large on part of people giving me money, they need to understand they're being actually very stupid in their business approach in alienating half their audience. And I do think there are times to keep your mouth shut. Right. I don't have a problem with them holding the perspectives that they do, but to use the platform that they do uh, in the way that they do, in the way that they do. Yeah. Just Feel free to do that. It's a free country. It's a free society. I'm a full, I'm a full believer in the First Amendment. Remember the repercussions. Yes, but, but understand there are consequences to actions. There are consequences to words. Yeah. Don't come to me whining about why the Super Bowl is the least watched <laughs> in history. Don't come to me whining about why the Olympics are down 33% right now and yep. at, at an all-time low. Don't come to me whining as to why people are not going to see your movies like they used to. When you are out there openly, and this, this could go from a conservative perspective or a liberal perspective. Sure, yeah. When you're out there advocating political perspective, I don't go to a movie to hear politics. If I want to hear politics, I'm going to turn on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. I'm going to watch all sources on news. I'm going to, watch, I'm going to listen to the Andy Hoosier show, Voice of Reason. There we go. Uh, and, and there are definitely times that I want to do that. There are times that we should do that. But when I go to a movie personally, I want to be entertained and escape reality for a couple of hours. Yeah. 
That's so. the point. And that's what sports was as well. Like you yep, mentioned, now exactly. sports is down. I mean, we have the Olympics that are down, NBA. I mean, for crying out loud, we had last year during the pandemic when people couldn't go to a sporting event, which means you would think they'd be at home watching it on TV even more, ratings were down. Yeah. Why is that? Because people are sick and tired of it. I mean, the movie Space Jam. I was dying to see a new Space Jam. I grew up with the first Space Jam. LeBron James has made so many absurd, ridiculous political comments. Then you hear Disney getting rid of Pepe Le Pew because he promotes ultra-masculinity or some garbage. I'm not going to watch the new Space Jam. And it sounds like, with China now even cutting it off, that they're not going to make a, a profit on this one. They're going to lose money. The U.S. isn't really into this, I guess. And they're, they're not going to do well with this movie. I, well, and it's a shame because I, the trailers for the movie look good. Yeah. They look excellent. They look like, a, like it's a fun movie. But LeBron's China, again, I love the reason I, I love doing the show because I can say these things here. <laughs> uh, I love LeBron is one of the best basketball players to ever play the game, period. Sure. That said, when he can badmouth and put down the United States of America, while he's doing and, this. And sometimes justifiably so. We're not, a, we're not the perfect nation, but we're compared to all the rest. Right. And certainly China, to put down America and then go to China and play ball and not say a stinking word about the atrocities and human rights violations in that nation, give me a break. Yeah. You know, all I ask is a little bit of consistency and a lot less hypocrisy. And uh, in my opinion... LeBron is as hypocritical of an athlete as there is on planet Earth. That's not to take away from his abilities as a basketball player. Yeah, it's totally different. I, I'm still a Michael Jordan guy. I think Jordan was a better player. Sure. Uh, uh, but his, uh, his political – just and he's done a lot of good things. I'm going to give him credit for that. But there's just some things it's just best to keep quiet about. Well, it's when they think they know something that they don't know anything yeah. about. When they try to be these – because they have a platform, because people follow them, all of a sudden they're an expert on politics and on issues when they have no idea what they're talking about, and then people begin to listen to them. Like, you're right, he can play basketball, do his thing, stay in that lane and play basketball. That's what people want to pay their money to go and see you do. They don't want to see you talk about how terrible America is or have you talk about Donald Trump or talk about wokeness or anything. Just go play basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you a story about basketball on the national anthem controversy? Yeah. Okay. This is, and I'll try not to start crying on this because this is a sad story. A couple years ago, uh, the East Tennessee State University was playing the University of Kansas in basketball. And my late wife, uh, for those that don't know, my late wife, Mary Jane, we were married for 41 years. Mm. She developed pancreatic cancer and fought it for a year and a half and uh, eventually succumbed. She was given six months to live, but I won't go into the conversation that we used to have with another co-host on occasion. Mm -hmm. uh, but she, uh, she fought it for a year and a half. And one of the last things she did in November before she died in December, we were given tickets, courtside tickets, to go up to Fogg uh, University of Kansas and watch East Tennessee State play. Uh, University of Kansas. Sure. And so at that time, she's in a wheelchair. And the trip, uh, she had not thrown up for a long period of time, but the trip irritated her stomach, and so she ended up throwing up mm. quite a bit before the game started. And uh, so the game gets ready to start. They start every game with the national anthem. Sure. And Mary Jane, trembling and shaking, made herself stand up, and Andy, tears were pouring mm. off of her face. Wow. And I said, honey, honey, you don't have to stand up. And she said, Mike, she said, I got friends that died in Vietnam. I can't help but to stand up. Uh. My immediate thought, God is my witness, my immediate thought, rightly or wrongly, 
was Colin Kaepernick, you jackass. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because here's this woman who loved her country so much that in excruciating pain. And, Would do that. Uh, I'll never forget that. So people don't understand. Get me all worked up here. You stop it now. That's amazing. <laughs> but That's... but people don't think about the political or the long term. I would I would not want to hurt my ultra liberal friends sure. in that regard. Sure. I had respect for Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she held to her beliefs. I I respect and I appreciate the fact that conservatives, as a whole, largely respected her. I saw the few Facebook nuts making commentary. But conservatives as a whole, yeah. talking about the appreciation they had with her friendship related with Justice Scalia and things of that nature. But when you take those extreme positions, you run the risk of hurting people deep down spiritually. We will never fully understand and respect the sacrifices that our military men and women, yeah. our first-line responders, the police and the firemen have made, and to be so critical of them. Yep. Uh, if you don't give a flip about those people that you hurt that have lived through that, I don't know if you're much of a human being. So that's <laughs> I, yeah. I've got to say that because that was a basketball. Now, East Tennessee State since then, last year, made a lot of news because their basketball team was taking a knee before the games for the national anthem. And, boy, in Upper East Tennessee, that was not the position <laughs> to take. That's not what you do. Not yeah. in Upper East, and they, the coach ended up getting fired, and there's been major wholesale changes to the basketball team as a result of that. But wow. Yeah, sport, sports and politics, it's like movies. It's not supposed to blend. Or if it does blend, do it off the court, off the job. It, well, that's the thing. I mean, make your, you're allowed to have political points and political stances and let them be known. Don't do it while you're on the job. If yeah. you're wearing the white collar or the blue collar at work, you're not supposed to do that stuff. If you're in the, I was a banker, you're not supposed to give your political opinion while you're a banker, which was really hard when I was a banker for a Democrat state legislator <laughs> in Colorado that would come in and start railing on Republicans. I had a hard time. I could not say anything. That's the position. Do it when you're off the court on your own time in the gym working out and they interview you. Don't do it while you're sitting there on the court. I totally, I totally absolutely. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to discuss that on your job, get a job in talk radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I have the beauty because I get to release my blood pressure this yeah, way every yeah. day. Let's take a break real quick. Mike Virtues, when we come back, I want to talk about some more entertainment stuff, the wokeness, the politics, the pop culture in general. That's the way it's having fun wrapping up for a Saturday here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Last few minutes here of the program really just goes by quick. About three minutes left at the top of the hour. Joe Peggs live with the weekend coming up right around the corner as well. Mike Furches hanging out in studio with us as well. And we have a phone call at 316-721-8255. So let's go right to that, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Andy. This is Nick. Nick, Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I can barely hear you, Nick. I'm going to have to have Andy turn you up a little bit here. here. Nick, how you doing, brother? I'm very well, oh. thank you so much. I was busy uh, washing dishes, <laughs> so I only got to hear the last uh, 15, 20 minutes of the show, and I just wanted to call and say I appreciate it very much. I miss, miss you guys. I haven't seen you in a while. And um, I don't know if you uh, discussed this or not, but uh, as I usually do calling in, uh, I, I don't know if you have talked about the cannabis issue or not, if that's part of pop culture or politics or sports or whatever the case may be, but uh, it's all across the board. Anyway, well, we haven't actually I, talked I did, about that I did, today. I did have to at least uh, call and say hi to you guys and thank you for the last fifteen minutes of the program. I'll let you all discuss and 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 thank you for uh, 
your show, Andy. Hey, God bless. Well, well, Nick, it's always good to hear from you, brother. I haven't talked to you in a while, so it's it's good to hear from you as well. We have not talked about the, the – but we do have a minute, so we can say, I mean, at least the state legislature – went further than they ever have on that issue this year, which kind of surprised me. Yeah. What I'll say is this, after discussions years ago, <laughs> is uh, my, my perspective has, unfortunately, I made mention earlier that my wife had had pancreatic cancer. Mm. And uh, through the advice of the oncologist, as well as others on her medical team, we went and used cannabis oils. She went, and I actually did a two-hour interview for a, a YouTube streaming station yesterday that's getting edited down uh, to discuss this very issue. Sure. Follow me at Facebook, Mike Furches. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I, I can't send a friend's request if you want to. I can't take friends right now uh, because I'm at maximum level on the friends thing. You're too popular. Well, I'm, I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, but do that, and then I do have people on a list, and I need to probably create a page. But the, the program that's coming out, the YouTube streaming page, uh, that will actually, they're going to condense that down to maybe an hour, maybe a little bit more. But uh, it, it's a real issue. I don't like the Kansas legislation. I yeah. will say that. It's too restrictive. Yeah, it's pretty wild on that one. Well, there's so much we need to talk about. We're going to have to do a full hour here soon, talk some movies. Talk some. Real quick, in about 20 seconds, what's the best movie or TV show that you've seen here in the last few months? Oh, wow. I highly recommend it, it, The best movie I've seen is Pig. Big. With Nicholas right. Cage. All right. That's really good. Going to have to check that one out. I'm going to have to. Uh, I need to finish Vikings. <laughs> I need to finish season five of uh, The Last Kingdom, and then I'll start branching out to some of that stuff as well. So, sounds, sounds uh, great. And then we'll talk some more politics. Mike, it's good to talk to you, my yeah. friend. We'll get you back in studio again. You just get well, Andy. It's great to be here. Always a pleasure right there. That does it for us today. Back at it on Monday with the voice reason for our national broadcast on that one. Kane just talk next Saturday. We are lined up for about three weeks straight on awesome guests on this program for the next few weekends. So stay tuned in for that. Until then, have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio.